This hour brought to you by GCNLife.com. Live younger, look younger, feel younger at GCNLife.com. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to hour number two of the broadcast. This is going to be a fantastic one. The book is called Cult City. And I want to give you a, an introduction to this. I know we have some people listening that might be younger. You might not be familiar with what happened in Guyana and the Jim Jones People's Temple cult. And I found an article today over at Vice.com. This is from September of this year. And I want to read a couple of paragraphs to you because it really does set the scene. On the hot afternoon of November 18th, 1978, over 900 members of a religious sect known as the People's Temple stopped what they were doing and listened across a camp they called Jonestown, they could hear the voice of their guru, the now infamous Jim Jones, crackling from the public address system. He instructed them to meet at the compound's central pavilion, as they'd practiced numerous times before, to take part in a final act of, quote, revolutionary suicide, close quote. One by one, they gathered in the clearing they'd carved out of the Guyanese jungle and drank a lethal concoction of Valium, cyanide and kool-aid a third of the victims were children served by their parents and within the hour the compound was quiet scattered with bodies finally jones shot himself on the podium where he'd so often led his followers in prayer and it is now 40 years later and the interesting thing about the article over advice.com is they actually go to the jungle where the compound was and there's even thoughts of sort of renovating it and making it available for tours and and that sort of thing that's kind of a maybe a dark thought but a lot of tourist dollars i guess uh are out there for for those kinds of things but uh fascinating book that gets into this in a lot of detail and gets takes us all the way back to jim jones as a child the book is called cult city jim jones harvey milk and 10 Days That Shook San Francisco. And joining us tonight is Daniel Flynn. And to give him a little bit of a, uh, you folks, a little bit of a background on him, he's also the author of five other books, which if you go to Amazon and you type in his name, Daniel Flynn, you'll find all of his other books. And they're, there's, they're all great. We've only had him on this first time, but uh, I'm sure we'll have him back to talk about others. He's the author of five books. Here are some of the titles, Blue Collar Intellectuals, A Conservative History of the American Left, 
Intellectual Morons is another one. He's a senior editor of the American Spectator, has written for the Los Angeles Times, Chicago Tribune, Boston Globe, New York Post, City Journal, and National Review, and he lives in Massachusetts. Daniel Flynn, welcome to Jim Paris Live for the first time. Hey, thank you for having me. What a fascinating book. I, I have to tell you, I've done so much research this week on your book, including I, I watched about halfway through the uh, the uh, Milk movie, the Harvey Milk movie as well. And I love how yeah. you uh, name names in your book. Uh, the, you know, you, you don't just talk about Jim Jones, but you talk about all of the people around him, including celebrities all the way up to the president of the United States that were supporting him and uh, how he was able to get away with so much. But let's start at the beginning, which is um, Jones was actually sort of a legitimate pastor at one time uh, in what would be like an evangelical Pentecostal type church. Uh, take us back there and, and also tell us a little bit about his childhood. Yeah, Jones uh, did not grow up within the church. Um, I spoke to one of his friends from an early age, a guy who, who knew him when he was 10, and the peculiar thing that he found with Jim Jones is they went to a service, and it was sort of, as you say, a Pentecostal service. And at the end, they said, well, who, who needs to be saved? And Jim Jones came up. The next week, the pastor said, well, who, who needs to be saved? And Jim Jones came up again. Now, you're only supposed to do this one time, but Jim Jones kept coming <laughs> So he back. got saved again and again and again. That's right. And the interpretation that his friend had, uh, you know, is now in his late 80s, was that Jones just liked attention. And so the church was something that he didn't really grow up in, but he started to like the attention that he got within the church. He started preaching to childhood friends, to animals, to someone caught him preaching in the woods to trees, you know, <laughs> so he got pretty good at that, and he went into the ministry, and if you can believe Jim Jones, he's not always the best authority on Jim Jones, but he, he, uh, he said, um, he, the, th the thought occurred to him, how can I demonstrate my Marxism? And he said, infiltrate the church. And so he ran into some Marxists at Indiana University, he became impressed with them. His mother um, also sort of stuck out, stuck out as a sore thumb in the you know, the Bible Belt, she was a, you know, very left-wing progressive person. She changed her name three different times. She, um, uh, you know, she wore pants when everyone else was wearing a dress. She did not uh, go to church, but she believed she had been reincarnated a number of times, you know, was a famous person in the past. And so a lot of, a lot of the sort of the eccentricities that you see in his mom, you see in Jim Jones later. Yeah, so it's almost like, it, so it, it started, though, at one time. So this was in Indiana. Um, small town in Indiana, and then it was at one time, how long did it operate as, as sort of like uh, a legitimate church before it started getting into the bazaar? Well, it's a difficult question to answer. I mean, for, for different people, the truth about Jim Jones is revealed at different times. He um, kind of, I mean, he doesn't exactly get run out of Indiana, but he, he, he realizes that he's not going to go places with his politics there. He goes to Brazil and then in the mid-1960s, they go to Northern California, and the, at that point, he has about 150 people follow him. He's, he's um, giving Sunday services out of, like, a carport, a two-car, uh, you know, not even a garage that's attached to his home. And um, they go around in buses, and they try to recruit people in, in California. And the reason he goes there, at least the reason he gives, is he said that he has a prophecy that there's going to be a nuclear holocaust, and that's the one place they're going to be safe in the United States of America. 
That prophecy obviously does not come to pass, like a lot of Jones' prophecies. But people buy into him, and the main reason they buy into him is because he is a faith healer, and he he is um, he he's pr- pretending to to you know heal people, but in reality. They're, you know, going through people's garbage. They have uh, telephone survey takers take fake surveys, gleaning information about people, even having people break into their houses, see what medications they're on. And so there's all sorts of just underhanded activities that he's doing to make himself seem like a prophet. And it's mainly through that way and not through the politics that he, he, he takes that 150 people and he turns it into thousands. And and it seems like, you know, he may have picked up on what was going on in California at that time. There were a lot of dead-enders, a lot of people that just went out to California with really no plan. And they even in the, the Milk movie, the camera shop or whatever it was, uh, Sean Penn plays Harvey Milk, it sort of became a hangout. There's a lot of people hanging out in different places. And that was during the same era. There were other cults, including uh, Manson was was operating around that same time in in uh, California as well. Isn't that right? Correct. I mean, you really had the hangover after the high in San Francisco in the 1970s. So you, in the 60s, you had the Summer of Love and Haight-Ashbury and all that kind of thing, and people were having a good time. But anytime you have a party, there's going to be a price to pay for it the next morning. And that's really what the 70s were. You had the Zodiac Killer, the zebra killing going on in, in, in San Francisco, you had the Simmons Liberation Army kidnapping Patty Hearst, killing people, uh, conducting bank robberies. You had the Weathermen hiding out there. The Black Panthers were still in operation. There was a group called the New World Liberation Front that was bombing various companies and public officials. They and you also had the uh, sexual revolution with the Castro neighborhood and Harvey Milk and the thousands of openly gay men. And he actually became an ally of Jim Jones. We'll talk about that after the break. We'll talk about connections with President and Rosalind Carter, uh, famous celebrities as well, like Jane Fonda, all of that and more. We'll be back. Hi, this is radio talk show host Jim Paris. And if you are like me, you hate all of those monthly bills. Well, I reached the point about three years ago that I decided enough was enough, and I went to war with my personal stack of monthly bills. I canceled cable TV and legally connected my television to the internet, and now I get hundreds of free TV channels, and I don't pay for cable TV. I found a little-known way of getting free home phone service for life, and I discovered a totally legal way to opt out of Obamacare and cut my health insurance bill by more than 60% per year. If you want to learn more about my personal war on monthly bills, check out my website, christianmoneyplus.com. That's christianmoneyplus.com. If you're just plain sick and tired of those monthly bills, check out my website, christianmoneyplus.com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product, Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT-6. The HP 
HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Hi, I'm Dr. Bill Deagle, MD, AAEM, ACAM, A4M, of Nutramedical.com, and a consultant providing email advice free on advanced protocols for your optimized wellness and advanced technologies to heal and regenerate you. You can contact us at Nutramedical.com, that's N-U-T-R-I-Medical.com, or 888-212-8871. You get free email starter protocols of our top medical-grade nutraceuticals, initial testing, and recommendations for your own primary doctor to do, as well as recommendations to give you an idea of a consultation and a full protocol to try to help you regenerate your tissues, heal naturally without the use of toxic polypharmacy. I can send test kits to you as well anywhere in the world and provide you recommendations for referral of specialty clinics worldwide. So contact me, Dr. Bill Deagle, at Nutramedical.com. That's nutrimedical.com or 888-212-8871. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at Slingbow.com. listening to Jim Paris live. All right, we are back. Daniel J. Flynn is here. The book is Cult City, and his website is flynnfiles.com. You can also find the book online, of course, all of the obvious places, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. Just type in Cult City, and it will be the first thing that comes up. Uh, Daniel, let's talk about the transformation of Jim Jones. So he goes from uh, you know, middle middle uh, of Indiana, uh, they move out to San Francisco, and there's sort of a transformation that takes place that you describe in the book. He almost begins to carry himself as a celebrity. He he starts wearing dark sunglasses. Uh, tell us about and, and some of the bizarre healings he gets uh, really bold and and claims to be like pulling diseases out of people and has like physical pieces of whatever that he's claiming to pull out of people's body uh clearly a magician's trick but uh tell us uh, how the man changed from the move from indiana to san francisco do we have daniel flynn uh, i do not hear daniel i, I, oh. yeah, I 
There we yeah, go. You're back with us. Go I, ahead, sir. I, I think the main thing is that he ingratiates himself to the political class. And this happens in 1975 when uh, George Moscone is running for mayor against the conservative Republican in George, John Barbagelata. And it's a very close election. Uh, Moscone wins by a few thousand votes. And most of the people observing that election attribute that to Jim Jones, both his uh, underhanded methods and his, his above-board methods. And when I say underhanded methods, they, they bust in people to vote in San Francisco, and many people speculated that those people were not proper electors in the city. So um, at that point, the, the, uh, there's so much pressure on the mayor to launch an investigation that he investigates his own elect, uh, invest, uh, election. And lo and behold, the guy in the district attorney's office who's investigating People's Temple, investigating voter fraud, he's the deputy district attorney. He's also Jim Jones's deputy. And so he finds, obviously, that, that Jones did nothing wrong and that the elections were above board. But that shows you how in the in crowd People's Temple were, that they had their own guy investigating them. And so you almost had a situation where they could do no wrong. They, they, could, they could commit crimes. And the local authorities weren't going to look into them because they were also the local authorities. They were part of the governing structure in San Francisco. Fascinating. So he, he not only was able to manipulate his followers, but also able to uh, uh, get, get into the government and be able to control things from there. When I look at this picture of him on the cover, he almost looks like a uh, he's got like the a, a collar a, like a catholic priest but then he's got the dark glasses and the sideburns almost looks like maybe i don't know elvis presley or one of the uh famous <laughs> sure. musicians from back in the day is there a mistake it was that just his look or, or is that uh by design that he wanted to be seen as a celebrity talking about that very thing today and both myself and the guy i was talking to both, both thought he, we were go, he was going for an elvis look um and they you know he was very charismatic certainly with his followers and at a certain point in 19 you know 1976 the mayor of san francisco uh, makes him uh puts him on the housing authority commission he very quickly becomes the chairman of the housing authority in san francisco basically making him the largest landlord in the city of san francisco which is pretty scary when you think about you know how he treated his tenants in, in uh, South America, but you know you don't when we think about serial killers or mass murderers or any you know Ted Bundy or John Wayne Gacy or Charles Manson or any of these people, we generally don't think of them holding positions of power in society. Jim Jones was different. He held a very powerful position in San Francisco. And he also, uh, you know, ran in social circles with very powerful people. Rosalind Carter, you mentioned before the break, um, the president of the United States' wife, when she came to campaign for Jimmy Carter in San Francisco, Jim Jones introduced her before she spoke. They had dinner. They had phone conversations. She refers Jim Jones to her sister-in-law, the president's uh, sister, Ruth Carter Stapleton, who's also involved in the ministry, and they get along. And so... It wasn't just these local yokels in San Francisco who were singing Jones's praises. You know, he, he is one of the hundred named one of the hundred uh, best clergymen of the year. He is uh, given the Martin Luther King Humanitarian Award in San Francisco in 1977. Uh, one of the daily papers in, in Los Angeles named him the Humanitarian of the Year. So it was he was not some obscure figure that came out of nowhere. He was very much, um, you know, in, in, in the circles of power, both in San Francisco and to an extent nationally as well.
that is unique because most of these cult leaders, sort of one of the tenets of 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 having a cult is that, hey, the world is evil, so we've got to go separate ourselves like the Branch Davidians or the Heaven's Gate. Like we've got to be separate from all this. We can't be part of all of this. And he 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 was he took a different path. And it almost sounds like had he dialed back some of his eccentricities, who knows, this guy might have ended up in Congress or in the White House. He he seemed well, yeah, to know he, how to work the system. People talked about that. He certainly talked about that becoming mayor, even the idea of him becoming president, which is, you know, far fetched, but that's at least something that he talked about. And a lot of his followers believed that because he had so many powerful people. You know, when he went down to Cuba in nineteen seventy seven, he had Willie Brown write Fidel Castro, asking Castro to ha- to grant Jones a state visit, as though Jones were head of state coming to to to, to Cuba. Uh, Castro didn't do that, but Willie Brown, um, you know, writes in this letter and says that he he is a highly trusted brother in the struggle for liberation. You had the politicians in San Francisco going out of their way to praise Jim. Diane Feinstein Mills. was was another right that was supportive of Jim Jones. Fein, Feinstein, um, it, there was a unanimous certificate of honor given to Jones on the on the board of supervisors, which she was a part of. So she she was a part of that, but she was not, uh, you know, to the extent that that Willie Brown or the Burton brothers or uh, or Harvey Milk was involved with Jim Jones. She she kept him at a little bit more of an arm's length than they did. It seems like though, when we hear about Jim Jones, we hear about the People's Temple and Guyana and all that. A lot of these big names are not mentioned. Like you talk about Jane Fonda. Uh, you know, Jane Fonda, you wouldn't necessarily think someone like a Jane Fonda would be like going to a Bible church, maybe so, but what was it about his quote-unquote ministry or church that was drawing in some of these celebrities to want to be part of what he was doing? Well, people might call it liberation theology now or, or social justice. He was really preaching Marxism from the pulpit, and at a certain point there wasn't any pretense about the Christianity involved. With someone like Jane Fonda, she she went to People's Temple Services. She wrote Jim Jones a letter saying that she wanted to be an active and full participant in his congregation and that she wanted to do this for the sake of her two kids. Uh, when Jones starts coming under fire in San Francisco, Jane Fonda comes to his defense. She writes this public letter along with Harvey Milk and uh, some other bigwigs defending Jones. So she really, you know, this is a, about a year before uh, Jonestown happens. Jane Fonda is sort of guns blazing, defending Jim Jones publicly. What I find interesting about that is when people interview Jane, Jane Fonda, they ask her all sorts of indelicate questions about you know, when she went to Vietnam and you know, her facelift, her alleged facelift. They ask her all sorts of things. No one ever asked her, why did you join People's Temple? Yeah, I, that, would, really, that would be the $64,000 question. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, let's uh, get into uh, Harvey Milk and how Jim Jones embraced homosexuality, which would have been uh, really, really out on the edge back then and how that worked out. We'll have that and more. We'll be back.
Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. You may need this herbal tea for relief right away, so write this down, drmillersclinic.com. If you take meds, then suffer stomach distress, constipation, indigestion, acid reflux, and bloating, and nothing else helps, get Dr. Miller's Holy Tea or Super Holy Tea, a cleansing, detoxifying herbal tea, now available at great rates direct from Dr. Miller's office. Call or click 888-660-7039 or drmillersclinic.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. And here's Mike's best offer ever. MyPillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, Now, just imagine there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercial, just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective.
listening to Jim Paris Live. We are discussing the book called City and the Jim Jones People's Temple Cult. And the author, Daniel J. Flynn, is with us. Uh, Daniel, let's talk about Harvey Milk, who, for, for those not familiar with him, of course, there was the movie Milk, uh, and Milk starred Sean Penn. I believe he got some kind of an Academy Award. I don't know. I don't remember for what, but it was a celebrated movie. And Harvey Milk was credited uh, be, being like the first openly gay politician. And I know this in today's culture, this doesn't this this sounds surprising. But back then it was on the cultural edge to come out and be publicly a homosexual, even in San Francisco. And he's credited with uh, kind of revolutionizing a section of San Francisco called the Castro District, which became uh, kind of a um, a magnet for uh, homosexual men from all around the country uh, coming there, visiting, vacationing, as well as setting up businesses. And to see the alliance between a pastor, albeit Jim Jones, and this openly gay activist slash politician, Harvey Milk, seemed like a strange pairing, to say the least. Yeah, they they had a sort of a transactional relationship where Harvey Milk gave, uh, I'm sorry, that Jim Jones gave Harvey Milk hundreds of campaign volunteers, allowed him to use a printing press, uh, gave him free publicity through their uh, People's Temple newspaper that was widely distributed in, in San Francisco, and gave him the pulpit of People's Temple to address the members. There was one member that I spoke to that regarded Harvey Milk as a member. I don't think he was a member, but the, you know they regarded him as one of their own. Um, Jim Jones, I think, something got something more valuable out of that transaction, and that is that when things went south for Jim Jones in San Francisco, Harvey Milk was one of his most loyal defenders and really came to his aid in a big way. One of the things that Jim Jones was accused of doing, and which he did do, was kidnap a six-year-old boy and brought him down to Guyana. His parents wanted him back in the United States. Uh, Harvey Milk wrote a letter to uh, Jimmy Carter, the president of the United States at the time, saying that uh, Jim Jones was a man of the highest character and that this boy's mom was a... uh, was a blackmailer, and his father was a bald-faced liar, and they weren't his, you know, his true father was Jim Jones. Um, he did this with a number of world leaders where he wrote in praise of Jim Jones, the, the prime minister of Guyana, Forbes Burner being one, uh, Joseph Califano, who was the secretary of health, education, and welfare at the time. He wrote him a letter saying that Jonestown was a, uh, a, a beautiful retirement community where it, the people of means would pay thousands of dollars to go to, um, that it was reforming, turning criminals into law-abiding citizens. It was alleviating the world food crisis. This is a place, Jonestown, that couldn't even feed their own people. They had to import food, even though it was a farm. It was an agricultural commune. And Harvey Milk was saying that it was alleviating the world food crisis. So in other words, he was going around singing the praises of Jim Jones, acting as a booster, acting as a propagandist. And if you're in, if you're in Guyana, if you're a leader in Guyana, and you're hearing these reports from ordinary people that Jim Jones is planning mass suicide, and you're having to weigh this against reports from elected officials in the United States, including Harvey Milk and Mervyn Dimley, who was the lieutenant governor of, of California at the time, and a number of others saying what a great guy Jim Jones was. You can understand why they were very hesitant to intervene there, because people that were very credible in the United States were saying Jim Jones was a very, you know, was a great man. Explain how the the Guyana part of this begins, because so he goes from Indiana 
Then he sets up in San Francisco where things really, really take off. And then there's this idea of this retreat in South America, Guyana. And this is in the jungle in the middle of nowhere. Um, is this like over a period of years, the Guyana is being yes. developed and so forth while he's still operating in San Francisco? Tell us how that, that unfolded. In late 1973, they leased about 3,000 acres of land in Guyana, and initially it was sort of a retreat. It was a place for maybe for seniors to go or for young people to have kind of like an outward bound thing. And over time, uh, they developed this tract of land. The people who were there that I interviewed before Jim Jones got there, they really liked it. They thought they found they thought they were like the settlers in the United States. They were sort of blazing a new a new place out of nothing in the middle of the jungle. Um, when Jim Jones gets down there, and he, he goes down there because things start heating up in the United States, and there's a number of critical articles about him, you know, he, he might face uh, legal troubles. So he flees, and about a 1,000 of his followers flee in the summer of 1977. And they go down there, and the, the character of Jonestown changes overnight from, you know, this, this place in the jungle where it's kind of very free to... It's a concentration camp, essentially, where you have Jim Jones uh, lecturing people for six to eight hours a day over the, the loudspeaker system. You have people working in the fields uh, all the time, eat, subsisting on rice soup every meal of the day. I talked to people who never ate meat in Jonestown, people who were there for months and months and months. One of them said they had a chicken feet soup one, at one time. The other one had fish head soup. That's the only meat they ever got. Um, so it was a really difficult uh, place to live. And part of the difficulty stemmed from these things called white nights, which were basically dry runs for revolutionary suicide. They were dry runs for what happened. And Jones acted as though the, the community were under siege. He, st he staged these events where they, he said they were being shot at from the outside and they were going to be invaded. And it's, he said at some point they're going to have to make the choice whether to all be slaughtered or all commit suicide en masse. And so this idea of revolutionary suicide, which he got from Huey Newton, from the Black Panthers, he wrote a book called Revolutionary Suicide. He takes this idea and runs with it. And starting in the United States in 1975, they have these wine tests where he gives people wine, which is unusual because they didn't drink alcohol. And afterwards, he said, you're all going to die in 45 minutes. And so it, people didn't die, but anyone who sort of freaked out or rebelled was punished. And it kind of conditioned them into accepting this because they realized that, they, A, they weren't going to die if they did what he said, and, B, if they rebelled in any way, they would be ostracized. And so that's kind of how it starts in 1975. So it goes on for a good, you know, three years before Jonestown actually happens. Now talk about the, the money side of this because I, I can only imagine how much money it would take even if people were just having rice soup, but just to transport hundreds of people to Guyana, the leasing of the land, uh, setting up even the most basic of infrastructure. And I'm assuming that all those people that were there weren't, you know, obviously weren't working at their professions, earning an income. Um, how did this all get funded? A lot of people were on welfare. A lot of people were on Social Security, and they, their checks were signed over to People's Temple. Um, anyone who had property, they were pressured into signing over the property to the church. Uh, they, it's not like they lived, you know, it obviously cost a lot of money, 
But if you look at some of the memos inside of People's Temple, they realized that this was not, you know, that they were going to run out of money at a certain point. They certainly hadn't run out of money when it ended. They, they had uh, willed, I think, over a million dollars to the Soviet Union um, when, they, when they all killed themselves. So they had money, but at a certain point, it was clear to them that this was not going to last forever. It was a failure. And, and Jones was clearly fatalistic. Uh, it seemed like once he made that move to Guyana, uh, he, he, it was almost like he was shaping up for the end to, to, to force the end, just like a lot of these cult leaders. Is that, is that your idea, or do you think that he may have had thoughts of coming back if, let's say, his legal troubles had, had disappeared? I think, you know, they had been planning it for years, so it was probably a fait accompli unless someone intervened. And that's kind of what the, the book is about, that before the poor drank the Kool-Aid in South America, the powerful did in San Francisco. And it's because of all those powerful people bought into Jim Jones and fell for him, just like those unfortunate people fell for him in South America, that Jim Jones was able to get away with what he did, because he did commit crimes in San Francisco, and he, he committed crimes with impunity, um, and people didn't hold him into account. The media certainly didn't hold him into account. You had people, you know, Herb Cain won a Pulitzer Prize later for being the, the supposedly the voice and conscience of San Francisco. He was the big booster of Jim Jones in the local press. So he had the press, he had celebrities, he had politicians also. Yeah, he was uh, well protected. We've got one last segment left. We're going to get into... The 10 day period, the death of Harvey Milk, uh, the, the mass suicide in Guyana, and more. Don't miss it. We'll be back. Hello, everybody. This is radio talk show host Jim Paris for freesurvivalgifts.com. If you're a survival buff like me and like to try out the latest survival gear and gadgets, then you're going to absolutely love freesurvivalgifts.com. At freesurvivalgifts.com, you will find a wide array of survival gear, books, and videos that are all 100% free. That's right, just pay your own shipping. Now, I know you're asking, why is all of this survival gear free? Well, the companies offering this gear are doing so as a way to promote their brand and introduce new products. Check it out today, freesurvivalgifts.com. Com. Pick up one or more free survival items for you and your family. That website again is freesurvivalgifts.com. Check it out, freesurvivalgifts.com. The United States of Empire is a book that claims the United States is the empire of the world. George Washington had warned us against foreign wars. The United States of Empire shows that World Wars I and II left England broken. Its former colony, the U.S., had to save the empire. Was there ever a vote? Who do we fight for? The deep state began with World War I. The United States of Empire by James Dunn. Available at Amazon Books. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to produce an endless supply of nano-sized silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. Silver Lungs. With the addition of our unique lung delivery system, respiratory infections are targeted directly, where traditional oral administration simply cannot reach. This pioneering method also preserves the original particle sizes and delivers your silver solution directly into the bloodstream. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. 
anytime, any place, anywhere. Radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Bags under the eyes, crow's feet, fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now there's Instantly Ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women. Here's a clip from the Rachel Ray Show testing the results of Instantly Ageless. Board certified dermatologist, Dr. Whitney Bowe. If you're looking to try to turn back the clock on a budget, you know, in the privacy of your own home, but actually there's some recent technologies emerging, almost like changes the behavior of the skin right. while it sits on the skin. She went off to try a product called instantly ageless yeah instantly you could see a difference even the cameraman were like wow look at the difference yeah I mean, but i would definitely use this product this product within minutes of applying it it was actually a very dramatic rejuvenation try instantly ageless today at gcnlife.com that's gcnlife.com 30-day money-back guarantee and preferred price discount at gcnlife.com that's gcnlife.com Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to produce an endless supply of nano-sized silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. Silver Lungs. With the addition of our unique lung delivery system, respiratory infections are targeted directly, where traditional oral administration simply cannot reach. This pioneering method also preserves the original particle sizes and delivers your silver solution directly into the bloodstream. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. listening to Jim Paris live. All right, we are back. This is our final segment. Daniel J. Flynn is here. The book is Cult City. You can get to his website, flynnfiles.com. Also, you can find all of his books over on amazon.com. His name is Daniel, middle initial J, last name Flynn, F-L-Y-N-N. It's also available on Barnes & Noble. Uh, Daniel, before we get into sort of the final uh, phase of this book, which is the death of Harvey Milk, also the mass suicide and death of Jim Jones. Uh, talk about some of his behavior that got even darker when he went to Guyana, including sexual assaults on not just women, but also men and also minors as well. Is Daniel there? Um, you, you there, know, there we go. Yeah. With, with Jim Jones uh, in, in Guyana, you know, he was in, uh, increasingly addicted to drugs, and when people bucked his authority, he would drug them. And so there was, he, he generally had a thing for very slender, young, white women. Uh, there was one black girl that had dated uh, one of his teenage sons. She was a teenager, and he had a thing for her. And when she rebuffed his advances, you know, sort of a chubby 40-something-year-old guy, not her cup of tea, he drugged her up into incoherence. And she became more compliant, so to speak. Um, and so, you know, rape was certainly something that was uh, within the capacity of Jim Jones, and certainly in Jonestown, where he was not going to be, um, you know, not, nothing was going to happen to him. He, he certainly felt uh, free to do something like that. In the United States, he did that, but most of the time 
he sort of forced himself on his followers, and, and a lot of them were so taken by him that they just sort of went along. This included men and women. Um, one of the interesting things for the book is when I interviewed uh, a couple of gay guys that were involved in People's Temple, they noted that he never came on to them. It was only the straight guys that he wanted to force himself on. So I think it was very much a power thing for him. He wanted to humiliate people. If someone was a vegetarian, he'd force them to eat meat. Um, he, would, he would do whatever it took to humiliate people, and sex was certainly part of that. You mentioned his son. I, I, I guess I just uh, never really thought of him as a, a family man. Was he married, and how many children were there? He was married. He had one biological son, and he had attempted to start what he called a rainbow family by uh, adopting kids of every race. And he, you know, had several Asian kids and uh, black kids. And um, at the end, there were a lot of people, you know, going by the surname of Jones, and some of them he had legitimately adopted, and some of them he had not. Um, so he did have a family, and you know, some of them still get interviewed to this day, but. Uh, some of them rebelled against him and said, I don't want to have any part of this. Interesting. Um, did any of his family live? Out? Did they? Yeah, did, did... you know, I, I spoke to a guy in People's Temple, a friend of his biological son, who said that they were planning to kill Jim Jones and that they had a plot and they had brought it to, to Marceline Jones, Jones's wife, and said, look, he's out of control. This isn't going to end well. And the, the plan basically involved luring him out in the jungle they had a gun, they had a shovel, and that was going to be it. And she said, okay, let's do it when you get back from, from the basketball game in Georgetown, Guyana. Well, when they came back from the basketball game, it was to identify bodies. So they weren't able to implement that plan. But his biological son was so alarmed by what happened that he was entertaining thoughts of killing his own father. Wow, just just too late with that plan. Now, one last thing. when he In Guyana, he was not living in the elements like his followers that were without uh, air conditioning and heat and, and all of those, um, you know, normal, uh, uh, you know, facility provisions. Uh, tell us how he lived. He had a, well, like an air conditioned yeah, house or something, right? He, he had a cottage. It wasn't like he was living like a king, but when you see his face, you know, the, on, on the, the videos from the last night, I mean, he is white and pasty as you can be. And they're in an agricultural commune a few hundred miles from the equator. So he's not out in the sun like these other people are. Um, he's drinking, you know, a pe- you know six-pack of Pepsi or so every day. Um, so, you know, compared to those other people, sure, he had it well. But they are living in very primitive conditions. And, and Jones was, to an extent, living in those conditions as well. All right. Now, I, I, I understand, and it almost seems like, if, if I understand this correctly, that sort of the event that made that might have kind of started the ball rolling was the death of his mother, which happened, what was it, a few weeks before he decided I, I think uh, it was on this late, plan? Late the, yeah, late the previous year, his mom died. And that, you know, his mom, uh, e- even though his mother called him father, uh, she had a bit of a hold on him and it was a bit of a check. And that check was out the window at that point. He was doing more and more drugs. And he had a group of very committed young people around him, particularly young women who were committed Marxists. And they thought that if they hatched this plan of revolutionary suicide, it would be like going on a strike or something, that the whole world would stop and watch and say, you know, that in his words, that they did not commit suicide, that they committed revolutionary suicide to protest the inhumane conditions of the world. And they thought that people would see it that way. So they were like, they, they were giving their, in their mind, they're giving their life up for a greater cause or a greater good. 
Exactly. And that's why so many of those people did give up their lives. I mean, another reason is that they were surrounded by people with guns and, and archers. But if you listen to that death tape, there's only one adult who objects to this plan. And her alternative is, let's all move to the Soviet Union. Such were the choices in Jonestown that it's either let's all kill ourselves or let's all move to some cold communist country halfway around the world. That's, you know, those were the kind of choices they faced. So it wasn't like they were thinking very rationally down there. Now, is, is that an audio or a video that you're referencing? That's an audio. There's a 45-minute audio tape of, of their last, you know, their last day there. Wow, that's interesting. I, I, I haven't listened to that. So, so tell us, set the scene. I understand from the book that the children actually died first, which there was a reason behind that. Yeah, I mean, the psychological reason is once you see kids die, you've kind of lost your will to live. And they're kind of all in at that place. They had murdered the congressman on the airstrip. They had murdered one of the defectors and three journalists. And they were told that, the, you know, that they were going to get stormed and people were going to come in and, and kill their kids. And if you listen to the death tape, most of the people who are speaking are thanking Jim Jones. They're thanking him for allowing them to kill themselves for socialism, for communism, for this greater good. The only real objections, other than that woman that I mentioned, you hear kids crying and screaming, and uh, Jones is telling their parents to calm them down. It's, it's nothing. They're just going over into another plane. They'll just sort of reincarnate in other bodies. Um, but there's not, for the people who survived, and there's really only four people who escaped, who Jim, you know, there are a few people that Jim Jones let go. But there, once the killing started, only four people escaped. And from what they saw, he wasn't forcing anyone to do it uh, in a sense that they, that, you know, they had people surrounding them with guns, but there weren't people. Um, resisting or anything like that. And it's certainly more than a footnote, although we didn't talk about it much, is the death of uh, Congressman Ryan, who was with a delegation that they were there, I guess, on behalf of family members uh, to just make sure that everybody was okay because no one yeah, could he, really verify it in person. And so he was coming sort of as an envoy from the U.S. to, to, to lay his eyes on what was going on there. Yes, and, and the people that I interviewed who were with him on that last day, um, they said, look, you've got to get out of here. You're not safe here. And what he said to them was, look, I am bequeathing you the congressional shield of protection. And they thought, this guy is nuts. He doesn't know what kind of danger he was in. But he thought because he was a congressman, no one would dare shoot him or harm him in any way. And someone attempted to stab him in Jonestown on the 18th. They got out of there, and it's on the, on the airstrip that a group called the Red Brigade, which is about a dozen of Jones's henchmen, came out and just started picking people off one by one, shooting them. And, of course, the congressman is high on their list of who to kill. Wow. Shocking. All right. With about a minute, minute and a half to go, let's, let's take it then to the uh, assassination of Harvey Milk. And from what I understand, the, the killer, uh, his name was Dan White. Is that right? He only got like a five-year sentence. Yeah, nine days after Jonestown, Dan White, who, is, who had resigned his position on the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco, um, came into City Hall. He killed Mayor Moscone, and he murdered uh, Harvey Milk. He did this because the mayor initially said he could have his job back. Harvey Milk got into the mayor's ear and said, look, we're losing too many votes. Appoint someone else. And the mayor thought that's pretty wise politics. Dan White was a sore loser, killed him. The narrative is, is that he killed Harvey Milk because he was gay. Now, what I get into in great detail in the book is that's not the case at all. Uh, Dan, Dan White, the first guy he hires in politics, is a gay man as his chief of staff, campaign manager, it's his business partner. 
Dan White attended the largest gay rights fundraiser in U.S. history up until that point. This had nothing to do with Harvey Milk's homosexuality. But when you we watch the Milk movie or any of the, the history on Harvey Milk, the, you know, the, the story is that Dan White killed him because he was gay. It, that's not what happened. I mean, he obviously killed him, um, but he did, that's not, that wasn't his motivation. But this sort of uh, impulse to have this kind of gay Martin Luther King figure, that was too strong. And so people rewrote history to their own political ends and just kind of concocted a fairy tale. Fascinating book. Dan Flynn, thanks for joining us. We want to recommend it to everybody. Pick it up. It's called Cult City. If you've got some time over the holidays, it'd be a great gift. Or for yourself, if you've got some time off work looking for something interesting to read. And a lot of great history in there as well. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. Hi, this is radio talk show host Jim Paris. And if you are like me, you hate all of those monthly bills. Well, I reached the point about three years ago that I decided enough was enough, and I went to war with my personal stack of monthly bills. I canceled cable TV and legally connected my television to the Internet, and now I get hundreds of free TV channels, and I don't pay for cable TV. I found a little-known way of getting free home phone service for life, and I discovered a totally legal way to opt out of Obamacare and cut my health insurance bill by more than 60% per year. If you want to learn more about my personal war on monthly bills, check out my website, christianmoneyplus.com. That's christianmoneyplus.com. If you're just plain sick and tired of those monthly bills, check out my website, christianmoneyplus.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637.